I'm probably the only person in Ireland whose nappies were eaten by an elephant. What happened was that it was the bad, bad winter of 1947. In the aftermath of the war, everything was rationed, fuel especially, and we had no heating at all in the house. But they had heating in some of the houses in the zoo. They needed to keep the elephants and the other exotic animals warm. So my mother washed the nappies and she gave them to Jim to bring up to the elephant house to put on the radiator to dry. And the elephant, obviously feeling peckish one day, put out her trunk and nabbed the nappies and ate the lot. Nostalgic or what, but... Yeah. We're coming up the road that would, he wouldn't have come up this road though. Yes, he would. He would, would have come he? to the this top one? of Infirmary Road and then along here. Um, oh. just I'm with my mum, Anne Marie, and we're driving up by the side of the Phoenix Park in Dublin. He would have gone in then through the, presumably the gate where it says Elephant House, but we'll probably go in the service gate when we get up there. So just go up the, what's known as the back road, I think. Hi, this is Amy Heron. I'm here to see Jerry Creighton and Leo Ostervagel. I'm here in the Phoenix Park. It's evening time and I'm at the side entrance of Dublin Zoo. The side entrance of Dublin Zoo, as you can imagine, is very different from the ticket office and souvenir shops at the front entrance. It's a big steel sliding gate. Thank you. Myself and my mum are going through it now because the zoo is closed, but also because we're being given a behind the scenes tour. Okay, we're in. We're in. It's that easy. <laughs> I'm interested in finding out about the life of a man who died before I was born and who was one of the most famous men in Dublin. My family's home movies aren't like other people's. They're 8mm reels dating from the 1950s. This is, this is unreal. This. <laughs> I'm with my mum and her four siblings, we're all gathered in my Aunt Mary's sitting room watching an old film reel of Dublin Zoo. It's the first time that the Kenny family has seen this movie in several decades. We're what are we watching? We're entering the zoo uh, from the old thatched entrance. The acting is superb. Yeah. <laughs> we, we all look as you if we've never been to the zoo you before. You genuinely look lost. Pretty soon we see my Uncle Frank, age seven, come into view. Okay. And Frank, the first... Frank, a tiny little guy in a school uniform, is sandwiched between two elephants. One, a cantankerous-looking young elephant named Comely, and the other, everyone's favourite, Sarah. I mean, there's no difference with how you treat the ducks and how you treat the elephants. It's very funny. Like, you know, there's no there's sense no of awe or, or excitement. Or fear, yeah. Little Frank is feeding them. It looks so strange to us nowadays. But there was nothing weird about children being up close with elephants in the mid-1950s. When the spring comes to the Dublin Zoo, the animals come out to play. What was it like being on top of an elephant? Do you have any memory of that? Uh, the elephant used to bend down and they had a seat going over and you sit on the side of them. Like a jaunting car that you'd see down in Kerry. And you used to just walk you around the, the compound, just where you were. Yeah, it was great. You know, it was amazing. We queuing up for ages. The children have been waiting a long time to welcome the elephant. As a child, it was magical. I mean, it was something out of Africa, you know. And who said it was dangerous to be taken for a ride? Pick them up there, Jumbo. We went in groves now. 
but like tried to bunk in. There was a way of bunking in. Go around the back where the guard headquarters in, you climb over the fence there. No problem getting in. I never paid in the zoo. My mother and her siblings never paid into the zoo either. That's because they were Jim Kenny's children. You'd arrive up with a couple of pals and you'd go to the desk and you'd say, we're Mr Kenny's children. Oh yes, carry on. Jim Kenny, their dad, was the head elephant keeper in Dublin Zoo. We sure we went to the zoo every second day and we brought all our friends with us and we arrived at the gate of the zoo and we would say we're Mr Kenny's children and there could be ten of us. <laughs> so Mr Kenny was known for having the most children in the zoo. I remember the time I realised myself that it was not quite the norm. I was with a new friend in school, just getting to know her. I was about nine years of age and she said, what does your dad do for a living? My dad's a manager. So not wanting to be different and wondering what I should say, I just blurted out, my dad's a manager too. He manages elephants. I was looking at him, where's he? My mum, Anne-Marie and I are in at the back of the elephant house, where only the staff go. Hello. Hi, how are you? How are you? Thank you. Hi, I'm Amy. Jerry Creighton Jr. is the operations manager of Dublin Zoo. Wow. We're looking at Uppley, a five-tonne bull elephant. He is huge. Wow. With, believe it or not, the most incredible eyelashes. Gorgeous. Oh, my goodness. He's got the most beautiful temperament. He's a magnificent bull. Sorry, Sue. Hi, Paul. Does this bring it back, Mum? It does bring me back, yeah. I'm just fascinated. As a small child standing beside the elephant, it was just almost overwhelming because of the sheer height of it. And I probably only came up to its knee. And the trunk wavering towards you, that can be kind of a little bit scary, I think. It brought me back a bit and I just wonder how my dad worked with these enormous animals. My granddad Jim got his job in the zoo by stealth, much to his mother's annoyance. Where we lived in Infirmary Road, the ambition of most people was to get into Guinness's Brewery because that was very well paid and pensionable and all that sort of thing. My Uncle Paul. If you couldn't get that job, you tried for the Great Southern Railway, which is just across the road at Kingsbridge, Houston Station, as it's known now. So my father actually got a job in the Great Southern Railway. He's a good job, pensionable job. This is my granddad's sister, Nora. Jim originally started off working in the drawing office. To do the blueprints. In those days, they used carbon arc lamps to make blueprints. And this is my Uncle Pat. And these uh, carbon arc lamps were bright, intensive, white-blue light. And he had eyes that were very pale blue, almost Paul Newman-type eyes. And every day, it appears, that the tears would be streaming down his cheeks from what the carbon arc lamps were doing to him. I remember seeing him on a settee, like, and his eyes closed. But one day, Jim declared an interest in a position at the zoo. But he did it when my mother's away, I suppose, got around my father. In fact, this wasn't such a strange idea because his own father, my great-grandfather, James Kenny, was elephant keeper there. In 1899, my great-grandfather, 
a retired soldier and horsebreaker, was headhunted to work in the zoo alongside large animals. A year later, he was seconded to the British Army to work with horses in South Africa during the Boer War. Fortunately, he came back from the war unscathed. But getting back to the zoo didn't mean he was back in a cushy job. Being an elephant keeper in those days was tough work. You know, there's an awful lot of fodder to be shoveled for an animal weighing a couple of tonnes. This is my uncle Paul. I, I read recently that they poop 20 times a day. They do, and actually removing that is one of the, the most arduous tasks. Even knowing this, my granddad Jim was still determined to leave the drawing office in the railway and go and work with his dad in the zoo. His father fixed him up uh, with a job and um, then he went home and told his mother, who was disgusted. My mother was mad because the hard work, long hours, do you know, like she really was mad and I didn't blame her. My grandaunt Nora, she says not only was her brother going into a messy physical job, but it was also dangerous. Her own father had actually seen a man being killed by an elephant in Dublin Zoo. Mr McNally, but my father thought he was only training, like starting yeah. in the job. And I don't know whether he asked the elephant to get a bucket or something, but whatever it was, she put her foot down and crushed him on the ground, you know. Illustrated Police Budget 1903. Elephant crushes keeper's head. Awful death in Dublin Zoo. The Irish children's pet murders its custodian. And my father was watching this. Uh, he had to tell his family. Jim Kenny joined his dad in the zoo in 1933. Well, it's a bit like, you know, following your dream. His son, Frank, says that leaving the drawing office was the right thing for him to do. He probably said, am I going to be sitting at this drawing board for the rest of my life? Yeah. He obviously liked the notion of the zoo and the outdoor life. That love of the outdoor life forms some of my mum's strongest memories of her father. I particularly remember walking in the Phoenix Park with him. He'd bring me to the Furry Glen right up at the top of the park and we'd look out over the city and he'd point out trees that he'd climbed as a boy and ones he'd carved his name on. He used to bring me to Mass on a Sunday on the crossbar of his bike, usually down to Merchant's Quay or sometimes up to James's Street. And on the way back, we'd stop on one of the bridges and he'd have a look at how his garden was progressing. Now, his garden were the weeds that were growing out of the cracks in the, the bridge walls, but he saw beauty in everything. And I think it was his way of appreciating every small bit of nature. Their skin just looks so crinkly and leathery, and even the young ones look old. We're standing inside the elephant house in the zoo. They're just throwing hay over themselves. There's a gap of about a metre between the elephant's area and us. This is a passageway from which the elephants can be observed up close. There's a steel barrier to protect the keepers. The elephants are putting their trunks through this and investigating us. It seems that they're as curious about us as we are about them. She's banging the hay 
She's banging the hay on the ground to get rid of the scent. Zoo director Leo Oosterwegel is here too. She doesn't want to chew on scent, you see. It's really funny to see the, the calves learning and copying that behavior. See that little elephant there is doing the same banging? Yeah. A little bit of hay, getting mm -hmm. rid of the sand, but it's, it's sort of... Hasn't you see quite that? got the hang of no, it. Yeah, yeah. No, It's learning, though. It's learning, yeah. yeah. It's amazing to think that these are the very sounds my granddad would have heard on a daily basis. At the zoo, his father was his mentor, and he showed Jim the ropes. But even as he was becoming established as an elephant keeper, his dad's career was winding down. He retired in 1940, and Jim succeeded him as head elephant keeper at Dublin Zoo. Now that was quite exceptional. Catherine de Courcy, zoo historian. Because Jimmy Kenny would have been a young man, and the position of elephant keeper would have been a very sought-after position because it was probably one of the most senior animal positions in the zoo. It, it was also because of the nature of elephants. You, in those days, you created your own territory. And because you were usually the only person who could handle the elephants properly, really nobody could encroach on your territory. You were in charge. But maybe this job promotion wasn't such a leap. Jim had already made a name for himself in the zoo. Thanks partly to Sarah. Uh, Keeper Kelly's got such a good relationship with Sarah that riding on the elephant is a feature of the Dublin Zoo in the winter and in the summer. In fact, hardly a summer day goes by without her doing an hour or two as a stint of taking rides up and down the gardens. She was an elephant who had arrived from India a few years beforehand, and Jim was her keeper. And what was your favourite thing about the zoo? Sarah the Sarah Elephant. Sarah the Elephant. You got a ride on Sarah the Elephant. It was brilliant. And what was it like being on top of Sarah? Nerve-wracking for her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nervous heights. Sarah and my granddad became a sort of double act at the zoo. Feeding the elephants, yes, and the And then I have a photograph of home taken years ago when I was that size. And it was with Sarah, I was standing on her foot, and the elephant tre the elephant man was standing beside her. That elephant man is actually my granddad. Is oh, it? I have the photograph at home. You're kidding me. No, it's only a small, black and white. The buses used to stop up at the elephant gate up here. Jerry Creighton Sr., a former zookeeper, remembers my granddad at work, with Sarah by his side. The visitors would come in off the bus. Now, they'd only be coming in for to meet Sarah. I remember him saying to a lady one day, Now, madam, what part of America are you from? And she'd say, Well, I'm in Texas. Okay, Sarah. Sarah, he used to say. Three cheers for Texas. Hip, hip. And Sarah would go, Hip, hip. Well, of course, they'd be. Gee, the elephant is cheering for Texas. Then he'd give the elephant the mouth organ for it to play. See a car, sir, it'd be doing, shucking on the, and you know, be saying, gee, she's really playing. And they're going back to America. They wouldn't be talking about Nelson's Pillar or the GPO. They'd be talking about Sarah. <laughs> Such simpler times. In 
those simpler times, Dublin Zoo was a place of entertainment and a place you went for a special day out. Ice cream and the monkeys, yeah, <laughs> and the ice cream. And then, of course, we got our uh, ice cream. Couldn't be there without the ice cream, you know. The chimpanzee tea party at three o'clock in the afternoon. Where you had the monkeys dressed up with bibs and aprons and drinking tea and cake and stuff like that, which is bizarre. And it was the big highlight. Everybody gathered around and waited for them. Now, I know it was looking back, it's cruel, but for children it was great fun. And the other thing was the elephant. Uh, you know, it was amazing. Totally unsafe. You know, there was no health and safety issues there, but it was great crack. There's footage of Cumberly trotting along with a, a girl on her back, quite happy, and Mr Kenny there, keeping an eye on things. Catherine de Courcy, zoo historian. He also let people in around to meet the elephants, to feed the elephants with bread or with plates of carrots or with bits of potato. We used to buy our nuts and we bought uh, carrots and stuff for the elephants. They used to come up and throw the little trunk out to, to people to feed them with buns and whatnot, you know, very clever things. Martin used to be there and he used to grab them back. <laughs> yeah, we used to buy stuff in the zoo to feed them. Now I know the signs up everybody, don't feed the animals, but in those days we did, yeah. Sarah would be a big part of everyone's Holy Communion Day, their Confirmation Day and their birthday. We had our picture taken with one and my brother stood on its knee, so he was just behind us. The whole family were there, six of us, my parents. Among all those children coming to the zoo in the 1950s and 60s, Jim Kenny's children, my mum, aunt and uncles, were pretty privileged. When we were feeding the animals, my father would have cut up the turnip and put it on a plate to give to the elephant. And the idea was he would feed piece by piece to, into the elephant's trunk. So the elephant would stretch out its trunk, turned up, up and you could place the piece of turnip in its mouth. That was the theory, but the elephant had other ideas. And sometimes it waited until you put several pieces in. It wasn't going to waste its time on just one. And having done that then, you'd see the long hose of its trunk, six feet long, swaying towards you and towards the plate. And with one fell swoop, it would have hoovered up the whole lot. And you'd be kind of disappointed that it wasn't going to last any longer. That was it for the day. But then, sure, we knew we'd be back and have another go at it. Well, the biggest thrill I had in my television career in The Late Late Show was one of the opening sequences that we devised when we got a live circus elephant. Sitting on the neck of an elephant brought so many things rushing back. That gait of the elephant, the rumbling gait of the elephant. Down, Max. Come on, Max. Down we go. I do want to get off tonight. That's it. And also there is that sense of an intelligence at work. Thank you, Max. <laughs> Looking at that video from 2002, you know that it wouldn't happen now. No producer would bring an elephant into a studio with an applauding audience. See that little calf is suckling? In elephants, the mammary glands are between the front legs, see? And zoos have changed too. They don't keep elephants in ones or twos the way they used to. Ten years ago, we decided to create something really comfortable and really special for elephants. Dublin Zoo director, Leo Oosterwegel. And the question we asked was, 
how do elephants live in the wild? And the answer is like social animals. So you design for an entire herd. And we designed for a dozen elephants. So we can accommodate a dozen elephants and that's a very natural, comfortable social group. And we've achieved that. You know, we've bred numerous elephants for all different ages. They're, they're quite known for their empathy, aren't they, as animals? I tell you, when one of the calves screams out because something, something happened, right? It slipped or it bumped into something. The whole herd just comes across and, and is there, you know? During a, a cow giving birth, the whole herd uh, almost forms a semicircle protecting what's happening there and at the same time they're turning around and they're looking and they're curious, you know, what's happening. Hello, hello, hello. They have periods when it's, you know, two, three, four o'clock in the morning, they're fast asleep. They form whole clusters and you, when you look carefully, they're all in touch with each other. It's always some skin, skin contact. words yet it's um it's just so it's really really moving i think they've such a nice way about them as well they're massive but not scary either you know and the the calves are just just so sweet you kind of it's hard to imagine them in a few years time that they'll be you know however tall they grow up to be the number of them as well to think that like you know, my granddad used to look after one, two, and you know, now the zoo has this number. It's amazing. We're all standing behind huge barriers designed to keep the elephants and the keepers apart. But back in my granddad's day, he was in with the elephants, mostly on his own. The elephants was one of the unique areas where you had to be in with these animals all the time. Jerry Creighton Jr from Dublin Zoo Management. Like the lions and tiger keepers had their skills, but they didn't have to actually share the same space. In the old days, the keeper's main objective was to get out alive, to be quite honest, because that would have always been in the back of his head, and that's the reality of Do it. Do you because, reckon? Oh, absolutely, because, I mean, you were in the same space with them, these animals, and he would have been well aware of the, the potential dangers. He, he was a brilliant keeper because in the management system that he had then, you had to be a dominant man. You had to control these animals because you were in the same space with them. In order for the keeper to be in close contact with the elephants and for them to bring the elephants out to the public, they used a form of animal handling that wouldn't be used today. Who's that on top of the herb beside Small. the elephant? Small. But you're just... Standing so the, the, the elephant's on the lifting one knee, knee. And holding her ear. And that's your dad? And that's my dad, yeah. And there's a little prince that the elephant used to stand on on all fours. There we are, underneath the elephant as she was standing on her hind legs. And that's your dad controlling yes. the elephant yes, in some way? Yes, he's ordering to, to, to raise her trunk there. And now she's going to stand up on her but hind has legs. Has he has he something, has he a cane in his hand? He What's has that? a little, it's an iron hook uh, with a point on it. It's the sort of thing that the Mahouts use in yeah. India. Well, Mahout, often you had one Mahout to one elephant and they would have a very close relationship. 
but they would ensure that you would get maximum return work from your elephant, pushing logs, whatever they had to do. And a lot of zoos took on that tradition by not positive reinforcement, but sometimes through intimidation and, and punishment. You know? They would hit him with a, a bamboo stick or do what you're told, you know, that type of thing. Documentation seems to say that they get them settled in, but I think you need to read between the lines on that and see that maybe settling elephants in wasn't just making sure that they were comfortable and being well looked after, that there maybe was a bit of breaking the spirit involved and yeah, things like that. like we used to treat horses. It was very harsh, you would say, the way the elephants were treated. Jerry Creighton Sr., a former zookeeper, but you must remember, he had to have this command over them. Looking today, you would say it's abuse. But it wasn't abuse in them days. They were being treated in the Victorian style. It wasn't looked upon as abuse because the elephants, you see, had to be trained. They had to obey his command because the elephants were actually bringing in thousands of pounds to the zoo income. So because of this, my granddad, Jim Kenny, was essential to the zoo. Unfortunately for him and his family, this meant that he was always on call. On one occasion, the whole family was on holidays in Rush, North County, Dublin. And a phone call came through to the Harbour Bar in Main Street, Rush. It was the only place there was a phone. And the phone call was for Mr Kenny. So some young Bar boy ran up to Mrs McCann's house. Is Mr Kenny here? Mr Kenny here? There's a phone call. So my father had to leg it up to the harbour bar where Dublin Zoo were on the line and they said there was a crisis. And the crisis was that Comely, the younger elephant, had fallen into the moat and they couldn't get Comely out of the moat. And they had hoists and they had the vet and they had all sorts of people trying to work out a way of getting the, the elephant out. We had built up bales of hay for her to walk up. And as you know, with elephants, I have to have a secure footing. My father had to get the bus from Rush into town, then the number 10 bus up to the Phoenix Park, and then walk, or probably run knowing him, up to the elephant house and the little concrete arena around which there was a moat. I was so delighted for to see him there because he got right behind the Kamali's backside, you know, with the brush and he commanded her to, for to be up because we could have been crushed. I mean, that wouldn't be allowed nowadays. If she just fell back, we were all crushed up against the wall, you know? And like he was saying, up, you know, the way he used to say this, up, Kamali, up, Kamali, up. And she knew his voice, of course. And Kamali got out. <laughs> that was all it took. <laughs> That's all it took. The boss had arrived. <laughs> Of your granddad. <laughs> oh, we scooted straight past it. There he is, in the middle. <laughs> wow. What year did, what, does it say um, what year it is? It doesn't say what year. Yeah. But it oh, it says. If you go to the elephant area in the zoo now, you'll see photographs of my granddad. I mean, is that a kid touching an yeah. elephant from over the yeah. railing? Yeah. My God. Oh, oh my goodness. I mean, that's, they're in the same space as them there, you know. A lot of people actually came up for to see our father as much as they did the animals. I still get letters in beautiful ancient handwriting with old curly letters about, you know, the experience they had in the 1950s. Wow. 
oh, it was so beautiful, and the elephant, and Mr. Kenny, and oh, 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 it's like all those people in that picture. They've carried those moments. I would go to the RDS at the time of the horse show. My Uncle Pat. I'd be broadcasting from a little caboose that RTE had set up. And my father would join me, but he was stopped again and again and again and again. Mr. Kenny, hello, how are you? And so on. And I realised then that he was the superstar. He loved meeting people. My Uncle Paul. He was a people person and he knew everybody in Ireland, almost. I mean, it was astounding. You couldn't negotiate Grafton Street in less than three quarters of an hour with my dad because he would stop and talk to people and... Uh, then he'd sort of casually throw in, oh, that was the Chief Justice. He was a fun-loving man. My Aunt Mary loved to sing and loved a bit of party and was the life and soul of the parties when, when he got going, when he had his little pint of Guinness or whatever. Yeah, he was just a lovely gentleman. He was a happy man too. He was a great joker. My mother, Anne-Marie. He had a choir, not your usual choir, but outside Ryan's pub in Park 8th Street on a Sunday night when he'd had his two pints, he would conduct his choir outside and uh, just, I suppose, when they had to leave the pub. And I would come home on the bus with my friends and witness the choir in action. Where he conducted them singing Love's Old Sweet Song. Despite his experience, his control over the elephants and his bond with them, Jim did have accidents. He came home one day and his thumb was in bits where the elephant had bitten it. You know, he got caught, he got his thumb caught and of course he wouldn't go to the hospital and all the rest of it and then it went septic and... Oh wow, okay, yeah. because I, I think that's the first instance I've heard of him having had yeah, an altercation yeah, with he did, elephant. yeah. Obviously just, I don't know what he did, but he put his hand in and the elephant's thusk or something caught him. Now, it wasn't that the elephant was being vicious with him. And nowadays there are rather few elephants in zoos that give rides. They've got to be very tame, very tractable, very much under the control of their keeper. She's going to get her howdah, that's the Indian word for it, her saddle, and take some children out for a ride. When I look back at them old cinder steps that she used to walk down. Jerry Creighton Sr. Don't believe it. How did an elephant get down them steps with people on her back? You know, it's incredible to believe when you see them steps. The, the one thing, I remember the panic situation as well. They were sitting in sightseas, right? And the elephant is coming along and the elephant goes to descend down a little hill, steps towards the lake. And they all start shouting, he's going to run into the water, he's going to run into the water. They started to panic all the children at the time. Because you steps down into the lake area. And the elephant was being, and it's like, he's going to walk into the lake. He's going to start, they started screaming, you wouldn't believe it now, it's unbelievable, you know. I suppose as a, a six-year-old or whatever, you don't be thinking of danger. You're just thinking, oh, this is exciting. I'd love it today, if they got to ride that an elephant. I don't know what ever happened to that, because I don't think they do that anymore now. In 1958, Sarah tripped and fell, carrying a group of children on her back. She had crippling foot problems. Neither the children nor Sarah were injured, 
but it did prompt a discussion about the way the animals were used in the zoo. Elephant keeping was changing. Public access to elephants in Dublin Zoo was changing. The days of visitors interacting with the animals were no more. The very thing that had made my granddad's job so magical for him, working with the elephants so closely and providing memories for thousands of visitors, was coming to an end. The wellness of the elephants must come before your memories. You know what I mean? My mother and aunt and uncles had some of the best memories of the elephants in Dublin Zoo, which makes you wonder why they never followed in their father's footsteps. Over my mother's dead body. (laughs) (laughs) It seems that my grandmother Connie, Jim's wife, was determined she would be more successful than her mother-in-law, in one respect in particular. The one thing in our family was that there was a huge emphasis on education. My uncle Frank. And it was drummed into us from the very early stages that we were going to go as far as we could with our education, that there was no question of considering leaving after a primary cert or intercert. At that stage, university was a bit of a pipe dream because it was out of reach financially. But then free education, so-called, came in and then that opened up third-level education to everybody. So it was never considered that we were going to take up the mantle of being elephant keepers. So Jim didn't want you following in in his footsteps? No. My dad knew how hard the work was. My uncle Paul. And how ill-paid the work was as well. So I think he had more ambitions for us. And if we had shown any inkling that we wanted to work in the zoo, I think he would have discouraged us very severely. In 1962, the day came that Jim must have dreaded. Sarah the elephant, his elephant, for so many years, had to be put down. After her fall, she'd continued to give rides until 1961, but all attempts to cure her foot problems had failed. My Aunt Mary remembers the day. She was facing into her school exams. And I said to him, this is D-Day, Dad. And he said, yes, indeed it is. And I thought he was a little bit down, but it transpired that one of the elephants was being put down that day. And that was, that was particularly hard on him. And he came home in bits, absolutely in tears. And an elephant died. Yeah. It's like a death in the family. There's no, no question about it. I think it was heartbreaking. I mean, when you think how people feel when a dog dies in the family, well, to have a very large animal that you've become close to, it must be quite a jolt. And he was called upon with the vet to butcher Sarah for the autopsy. Now, I just cannot imagine asking me to perform an autopsy on my own dog. So I'm sure that broke his heart. But the death of Sarah was not the end of the dark days for my granddad. Now that she was gone, the other, younger elephant, Comely, became more unruly. For all those years, Sarah had been a calming influence on Comely. The zoo records from the period acknowledged that while Keeper Kenny had control at all times, Comley couldn't be trusted to the care of other members of staff. The minutes from 1964 recommend getting rid of Comley. She was too difficult and dangerous to be around. 
and the public was no longer allowed to come in contact with her. Two years later, Connolly was put down. I had to work in the slaughterhouse because I had to cut up the meat for the lions and tigers. Jerry Creighton Sr. recalls the day when her body had to be disposed of. That was my job. And Jerry here is talking to myself and my mother Anne-Marie. Your father wanted to be there when they put down Kamali. No, he was completely out of place. Awkward. I'd never seen him in such an awkward situation. Jerry's description of my granddad here seems opposite to everything that I've been piecing together about him. The man was rarely out of his depth, seldom awkward. One choice of words to describe the death of an elephant that I really like appears in a report from the Irish Times on the death of another elephant in Dublin Zoo years previously. They wrote, The death of an elephant is no ordinary event. It is like the removal of an imposing landmark. like you could spend the next several hours in here. I don't think I'll be allowed, but I'd love to. Watching them is just so peaceful. I think he's trying to reach for that microphone, is he? Stroke is drunk. Wow. Nice and warm. Very warm. Oh, my God. I thought it would be cold to the touch. No, your hands smells very sweet. Mm -hmm. They don't smell, you're right, they don't. It's a, yeah. mm. it's a sweet smell. Yeah. In 1976, after 43 years as an elephant keeper, my granddad Jim retired. He was 68. He missed it terribly. He didn't want to retire. He really didn't. He, he feared retirement. He didn't like retirement. He was lost, really. He read his books. He went to the library and would go out on trips to all our houses just to kill the day because he was bored. Did he go back to the zoo? Did he visit it? You know, what was his... No. Rela- once he no. was gone, he was gone. Once he was gone, he was gone. Yeah. You know... Okay, he died of cancer and, you know, there's no telling when cancer catches up on people, but I can't help feeling that if he hadn't retired then, he might have lived longer. I'm thinking about how those elephants were part of his life for so long and when he had to say goodbye to them, it must have been unbelievably tragic. There may well come a time when zoos won't exist anymore, so this is a snapshot in time of a life that no longer exists and only existed really for a short time in history. So my father and grandfather, over a span of 70 years in the zoo, were of that particular time, and it will never be seen again. It's a different era, you know? Do you think there's any legacy from this style of zookeeping? Has anything positive, say come from this? Oh, absolutely, because what you see here is some of the original knowledge and insights, you know, and those were learning curves. Those are contributions. Those were little building blocks in the old days that 
we learn from and we, we build on. I'm thinking about my granddad and just him looking after them and caring for them because you can feel a rapport when you're near one. I'm just imagining what it must have been like for him to come here every day and just have this really strong connection with an animal. Come on, man. There's a really nice presence they have and it's it's very calming and just also weirdly intoxicating you kind of get addicted to being around them you want to see what they're doing and yeah it was amazing to watch them all <laughs>